0: Hello, and welcome to The Weird. Today's show is brought to you by Johnson's Jetpacks. The only jetpack for the modern human being living in a world filled with skyrocketing platforms and dangerous clouds. If you need to jetpack, use a
1: Johnson jetpack. And now, on to Dan and Riley. It's funny you should mention that. Wasn't there some guy up on a jetpack? In the news recently and a bunch of pilots were reporting it oh oh i don't know i do,
0: I did see something recently where uh someone like actually had a functioning yeah
1: wicked jet like it's here like it's actually like real now but it's like a drone they are really limited because the power goes away really fast so you can't use them for super long no that's right But somebody uh, was doing it illegally in the vicinity of an airport, and it caused, like, a huge ruckus. You know, if that person went into an engine, that'd be completely (laughs) on them. I would kind of laugh.
0: That would be a Darwinian death
1: do you remember that series lost that was really good and then lost. got and then went off the, the rails so badly that it scarred some people for life i yeah. remember the first episode in lost there's a guy just like standing there bitching or something about yes and he gets sucked into the end do you remember that
0: i showed that to an english class that i was teaching this is a long time ago now and used that moment to say like everything changed at that moment like the the you know the plot spiked
1: yeah he was just standing there
0: oh my god like this is not going to be like um a safe show no and i mean that in a good way
1: i you know i didn't
0: have a problem with lost oh i I didn't i didn't did it end exactly the way i hoped it would no i don't understand when people get so upset when a story doesn't end exactly the way they wished it would
1: i was hoping that that i'm sorry to interrupt but that wasn't my issue with it i had no problem with the ending Mm -hmm. um i just felt that they had introduced so many plot lines that i don't think they resolved properly fair enough michael and his fucking kid my boy my boy yes like what they they spent so much time and also those stations the swan and the this and the that all of that was never properly resolved for me i just wanted them to explain
0: you're right you are right about that i was forgetting a little bit and the numbers they never explain the numbers you know that but the problem and why that happened is because they didn't write that show with an end in mind yeah right some of the great great shows that have come out in the last 20 years are the shows that that knew it. they knew their ending
1: yeah what's there was one
0: recently too that that just oh dark which I don't know if you've watched yet, the German show that's on Netflix. No, you've mentioned it. When he wrote that show, he already knew how it was going to end and that he needed three seasons to tell his story.
1: And I respect that. I respect not being greedy and saying, no, let's just keep it going for the sake of ratings. Mm-hmm. I respect it. And okay. I respect so little that that's big words. I am often so concerned you don't even respect yourself. Respect yourself? Who's
0: urethra that singer? Urethra. Franklin?
1: Not Urethra. Let's say Urethra. Urethra. <laughs> urethra now i have a drag name i'm urethra franklin <laughs> i have to say to our listeners um i don't know where you are in the world but right now in our part of the world it is so unbelievably beautiful out
0: yeah like uh 20 degrees celsius which would be about 70 75 degrees fahrenheit yeah, yeah. in that
1: range beautiful weather this is november In Canada. Dan and I live in Ottawa, which is a a pretty beautiful touristy kind of town because uh, it's like Washington, D.C. This is the seat of government in Canada. So it's a very white collar, very pristine little city for the most part. And I was in an area that's very popular for tourism called the market today for lunch. And my God, it was like Disneyland down there. It was packed. Really? It was amazing. It was amazing. And I had a delicious club sandwich, which I always enjoy. mcdonald's (laughs) A mcdonald's <laughs> if they had a mcclub i'd buy it i'd try it i have not been to mcdonald's now
0: uh i think since
1: january we hit mcdonald's pretty hard when the covid lockdown first happened mm-hmm. because your options for food were limited mm-hmm. and we would go out for a drive and get mcdonald's and eat it in the car like teenagers on a date mm-hmm. and so i I've overeaten McDonald's I need to step away from it for a while our relationship is strained
0: you know when the pandemic started we thought that it could be on surfaces and I guess it still can it's just not as likely that you're going to contract it that way so we stayed away from ordering anything so I yeah and just now we're we're in a good place in terms of eating well so
1: we are staying away from it well speaking of eating well I have one more anecdote to tell you so I went to the grocery store this week and hit the grocery store at the sweetest spot a person could. It was 8 o'clock at night, and I saw this woman hovering around the reduced Halloween candy with a Sharpie. (laughs) And she was marking all of the Halloween candy down to a (gasps) dollar. So boxes of 150, 150 miniature chocolate bars were a dollar. So I kid you not, I spent $30. Oh, my God. There's a whole shelf now in our garage of candy.
0: Well, you know that doesn't keep, eh?
1: It does. A little while. Well, a little while. But I bought rockets and all kinds (sighs) of stuff. Everything was a dollar. Rockets. A hundred rockets for 50 cents. We bought
0: uh, a bunch of different kinds of candy for Halloween. I I may have said this already. I think we did. But the thing that I fell in love with that I I haven't eaten in years is licorice. Like Twizzlers, like the regular Twizzlers. Like I like nibs. The nibs. And then the other one that was like not
1: twisted licorice, but like a tube. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: God, that's good. I love that.
1: And you can take nibs and stick them on your teeth and pretend you have nibs teeth on your front teeth. And that looks like you have big red buck teeth. That's always a classic at a party yeah. when you're seven years old.
0: I forgot about that.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I will be morbidly obese by Christmas. Yay. Good for you. Uh, we all have to set goals. Mm-hmm. Are
0: you ready for uh, a story? Dan, I am so ready. Okay. So, again, this is a story uh, that I... If you've got young children, probably... would What the hell are you showing me? Is that a lip balm? Oh, it's a chocolate bar.
1: It's a little mini chocolate Hershey's. bar. I have a whole handful of gear to listen to your story. See? They're, they're there. That's good. You'll probably... I think that might provide you some comfort.
0: So, this is another show that if you've got young kids... I wouldn't share this one with them you know I know for a long time I've had the um, the moniker the friend of the children and I feel like I'm starting to challenge that uh, by some of the uh, the the show choices I've been making lately but this is a good one and uh, my my kids were asking what the the show was about and I I didn't really want to tell them because it's freaking freaky so on Halloween weekend Riley I was watching a movie that uh, I believe you have seen, Hereditary. Seen it. You can speak with the chocolate in your mouth? I can. Okay. And
1: what did you think of it? Um. Okay, well, the first thing was I had heard a lot about it. So yeah. that was one of those movies that was a little bit... You can see me trying to swallow, right? Yes, I can yeah, see you know. trying
0: to speak with chocolate. It's gone. In your mouth.
1: Um, it was one of those movies where I had gone in with incredible expectations because there was so much buildup. I'd read an article saying that was the new dawn of a new mm. age of horror, mm-hmm. so I had unrealistic expectations, which explains most of my life. I liked it. I have seen this that particular story in other movies and in other forms of literature but mm-hmm. I love the visual of it I'll just say right now Toni Collette can do no wrong in my universe I think she's one of the most underrated most brilliant actresses out there she, she's Australian right yeah, yeah yeah her big first movie was um uh, Muriel's Wedding which is a fantastic movie anyway I, uh, I I liked it a lot the visuals are incredible and it has the best surprise decapitation in any horror movie
0: yes it does that was a shocking scene and and not to throw you know if you haven't seen it, we'll we'll leave it there. All that to say, if you haven't uh, watched the movie, this is not going to be a terribly big uh, reveal, but you might not want to listen to the next minute or so here. There's a character or an entity in that movie named King Paymon. and he is a demon and is sort of a central pillar to that story. After the movie was finished, I wanted to do some well, I just wanted to know if he was real, and so you know, a quick search uh, showed that he he is in fact a real demon. And that's Peanut M and M's. It's a No Henry. Oh Henry. But like I don't feel like a lot of people love Oh Henry. It's kind of like no one hates it, but no one like goes. That's my favorite chocolate bar. I think it's for people my age. No, but don't get me wrong. I like O'Henry, but I would never... If I were going to the corner store, I wouldn't buy No Henry.
1: I'm that way with Crunchy Bars. I hate I them. I love
0: Crunchy Bars.
1: Oh, I hate them.
0: It's right up there in maybe my top three. Oh, God. Wonder wow. Bar, Crunchy, and Nestle Crunch. Oh, I love that. You don't like Twix? I, I, it's hard, that's a tough list. Like, I love Twix. I love Mars. I love Crispy Crunch, yeah. uh, Caramel, Arrow. You love them all. I do. All right, so... I did, uh, I did a little bit of reading and found out uh, some stuff about this guy. He is a high king uh, of hell and apparently a super great pal of Lucifer's. They're mm. buddies. And he's very loyal. There is a book called The Lesser Key of Solomon, which is an ancient medieval text that apparently uh, came from King Solomon. And uh, it describes payment as follows. Paimon can teach all arts and sciences, and other secret things. He can discover unto thee what the earth is, and what holdeth it up in the waters, and what mind is, and where it is, or any other thing thou mayest desire to know. He giveth dignity, and confirmeth the same. He bindeth, or maketh any man, subject unto the magician, if he so desire it. He giveth good familiars, and such as can teach all arts. Get all
1: that? I did, and if you sort of unpack it, he doesn't sound like a bad guy.
0: No, and so the, this is the weird thing in, in reading about him. At first, I was a bit freaked out, like, oh my god, this is actually a thing. But he basically, if you if you're successful in being able to summon him, uh, he's he kind of gives you information. He can tell uh, the the future. He can tell you things that have happened anywhere in the world. He can even provide you material things that you would need in that moment. He can make you rich, uh, give you power, etc. It is warned that if King Paimon appears alone, you must offer a sacrifice. So Uh. that's one aspect that the movie kind of got right. Uh, According to Greg Bismarck, who is an adept initiate magician... Payment is a demon only to those who demonize him, uh, which is a common thread with a lot of these entities. It's all about your frame of uh, reference, like who you are and what you believe. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think you and I have talked about this in the past. Satanists don't believe that they're
1: evil. Well, also we we've decided that these demons are evil. We've decided that, right? We've decided mm-hmm. we've labeled it that way. Does that make mm-hmm. any sense? All in
0: all, when you look at this demon, he he really doesn't sound that bad. And I also looked into, does he possess people? And I couldn't find anything on him possessing someone. And in some of the literature that I read, they talked about it's not really his thing. He's too high ranked to want to bother with that type of thing. And it's just not something he wants to do or Mm. needs to do. So I did do some more research though and found a few other interesting demons that are totally into possession. One of them is the demon Lilith. Are you familiar with Lilith? Like Lilith Fair. Exactly the same person. And this is where I find this so fascinating. Okay, so according to Christian mythology, Lilith is often envisioned as a dangerous demon of the night who is sexually wanton and who steals babies in the darkness. She can be dangerous to summon and can physically harm and haunt the magician. If you type in Lilith possession or summoning Lilith on YouTube, there's a video of a guy and he like gets banged up and bruised and hurt by apparently Lilith. Whoa. In Jewish folklore, Lilith, appears as Adam's first wife. I did not know this story at all. Did you know that he had another wife before Eve? Well, how how could he have another wife before Eve? They were the first beings. Oh, but this is Jewish. Well, it's the same. It's the Old Testament. It's the same story. But God created Adam and then Eve, right? Well, he created Adam from dirt and he also created Lilith at the same time from dirt. Eve was created from a rib of Adam's. Okay. So Lilith ended up leaving Adam after, and I love this, after she refused to become subservient to him. And then she would not return to the Garden of Eden after she had coupled with an archangel named Samal, who I believe is also a demon. Okay. I Lilith is my new hero. She's like, I'm not going to clean this house. Fuck you. I'm out of here. That's right. And that is, I think, why Sarah McLaughlin picked Lilith as the name of that concert series
1: a strong independent woman a strong independent woman who was then
0: demonized by the church for standing up for
1: herself yeah but and she also she also married up like she was just with adam before and then she went and married an archangel yeah like she tripled her credit score yes good for her there's another demon known, known as azazel
0: He is known as the father of possession, since he's the demon responsible for discovering and perfecting the act. According to lore, Azazel was once imprisoned, driven mad, and literally tore his spirit from his physical form to escape. It was while roaming bodiless that he discovered he could take over humans by force, and he soon perfected the the technique demons are said to use today. Oh, wow. So he's... Perfected the technique and passed it on. He's kind of, it reminds me a little bit of Voldemort in The Philosopher's Stone, right? He's this... Yeah. A a bodiless spirit looking for a home. Wow. So he takes pleasure in killing those close to his targets and prefers setting up situations that seem impossible for the person to survive instead of killing them himself. If someone survives a possession by Azazel, they will never be the same. He leaves behind a shell of the person that once was. Whoa. Whoa. Here's one that I thought I would speak to you, maybe literally. There's a demon called Agaris who speaks many languages, but he only focuses, <laughs> he, he only focuses on teaching profanities to, to those whom he advises or takes possession of.
1: So he teaches them how to swear? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I may have been possessed by him a few times. Me too, today. So can I ask you a quick question? Do you think... That that demon was used to maybe explain Tourette's? Oh, oh my God. Well, yeah, I bet it would have been. Yeah, because you know. Yeah.
0: And they and the way that that can manifest sometimes, yeah. Tourette's, certainly would have freaked people out you know, in the past that didn't have a scientific explanation for what was happening.
1: I just read online that there was a parrot that was really, really, really rude. And I, my friend worked in a pet store in, um, when she was in middle school in somewhere in London, Ontario, and they had a parrot that they had to take off the floor because (laughs) one of the dick guys that worked there taught it bad words. Awesome. Those things live like a hundred years, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're very, it's a long
0: commitment. Well, you're, you're not going to see it through if you get a baby.
1: No. But if you're a 14-year-old guy working in a pet store, aren't you going to teach the parrot bad words? Of course. You have That's to. Awesome. So another spirit is La Meshtu.
0: And she is known for unleashing a wide variety of hellish torments on the people that uh, she comes across. She harasses women all throughout their pregnancies and takes babies so she can chew their bones and drink their blood. Sounds like Margaret Thatcher. i don't know where that came from she also (laughs) she also is known for wiping out crops contaminating water and she enjoys wreaking as much havoc as possible anyone suffering from oppression or possession by this entity will experience terrifying nightmares and various sleep disturbances
1: and may come down with a grave illness i love that she torments women during her pregnancies that's i just see her too you're fat yeah yeah, that's not water
0: weight you're just fat so this last demon that I thought would be, that I wanted to bring up is Pazuzu.
1: I know that one. Everybody and knows do that know one. You know that one.
0: That's right. Where do you know that one from? The Exorcist. And that's right. So again, a real demon that the Exorcist, uh, and that book, is that book supposed to be nonfiction? No, 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 no. It's okay. a work of fiction, I think, based on his research. Okay. Pazuzu was king of the wind demons and the bringer of storms, droughts, and famines. Um, he was also known to send various diseases and pestilence into homes. He's also the arch enemy of Lamashtu, and so sometimes people would summon him to drive her away. Oh. Not be- and he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it because of any kindness in his heart, which he had none, or has none, uh, but because he hates her so much. They're constantly feuding. So they would summon him. He would get rid of of her and then and then they'd be okay and these two are not from like they're they're um babylonian i believe like they're, they're they're of middle eastern origin that not from the christian pantheon but have been adopted by the pantheon same thing with king paimon there's some speculation that he maybe was a genie or a jinn and uh, some even say that he might have his origins may actually be in egyptian mythology and the, the goddess ISIS, who not and not the
1: terrorist uh, fundamentalist organization running out of, you know. Well, when I, I was young, ISIS was a Saturday morning TV show. What? And all the boys had a crush on her. Yeah, what? she had a, a necklace, and she would touch it, and she would go, Oh, mighty ISIS, and turn into a superhero. What was the name of the show? ISIS? ISIS. It was the oh. ISIS and Shazam, I think, Hour of Power. Oh, yeah, they were uh, a Saturday morning... Yeah, you know Shazam, right? That I do know Shazam. That superhero movie that I loved? I haven't seen it. Oh, it's... you. Okay, promise me you'll watch it with your son. Well, my kids have seen it. Did your son lo- not love it? I think my daughter liked it more. Oh my God, it's adorable. Okay. Imagine if you're like a, a teenage kid turned into an adult. Well, that was like big. Yeah, but this is... I don't know. I like this better than big, I think. Anyway,
0: continue. All right, so... I read all this stuff. This was really interesting, and it is interesting. But I I was left with the, is this real? You know, I know as a kid, I I played around with a Ouija board and had some maybe sort of weird things happen with that, but not really. And I remember as a kid playing Bloody Mary and maybe seeing things, but probably made up in in my head, you know, that bloody eyes were coming towards me. So I did a little bit of digging and I found some really interesting things. One of the most interesting accounts that I read, and this was in the Washington Post that I read this uh, article uh, by a doctor named Dr. Richard Gallagher. And this guy is like an Ivy League trained psychiatrist uh, with degrees from Princeton, Yale and Columbia. So this is not like a a weirdo. Mm -hmm. He was asked by a leading exorcist in the 1980s to assist with a case the priest wanted his opinion on whether or not the person was suffering a mental illness or was actually possessed. And Dr. Gallagher has said that he came from, an, he was Catholic, but he was a skeptic. Okay. Kind of like us, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a background there, but didn't really believe in, was fully expecting with this with, with this first case uh, that he ended up working on, that he was going to be diagnosing a mental illness.
1: You know, in terms of being a skeptic, you know what I, I would rather be labeled as? Do you remember that famous poster that was out to support the television show The X-Files that had a picture of a flying saucer on it because it was in um, Mulder's office that said, I want to believe. Mm -hmm. That's me. I want to believe.
0: I think when it comes to this stuff, I'm with you. Yeah. I would like to believe in an afterlife. I want to believe that there's an afterlife. Me too. Mm -hmm. So... He inclined to skepticism, uh, but this is what he had to say about this person that he met. This it, it was a woman. But my subject's behavior exceeded what I could explain with my training. She could tell some people their secret weaknesses, such as undue pride. She knew how individuals she'd never known had died, including my mother and her fatal case of ovarian cancer, Six people later vouched to me that during her exorcisms, they heard her speaking multiple languages, including Latin, completely unfamiliar to her outside of her trances. This was not psychosis. It was what I can only describe as paranormal ability. I concluded that she was possessed. He is sort of the leading go-to person for the Catholic Church on exorcisms they go to him if there's like the big ones mm-hmm. he and in the article it was a long article uh, he went on to say that most of them is mental illness the vast majority of the cases are people who are mentally ill okay but some of the things that he has seen are terrifying and cannot be like people levitating and things like that it is supernatural.
1: There's no rational explanation for these things. This is what he's saying.
0: And this is a, he's a respected doctor, although he did say, too, that he's lost some credibility in some circles as a result of the work that he does with the church. Oh, for God's sake. So I continued to do a little bit of reading, and I found this story that I'd like to share with you now. And this is the what our show is going to be about today. Have you ever heard of the 200 Demon's House? Or the story of Latoya Amons. Never in my life have I heard uh-huh. of this. All right. So I borrowed a lot of the chronology here from a Indie Star article. Okay. The uh, the journalist is Marissa Kwiatkowski. And I'm just mentioning this because, um, look, I'm not doing primary research and interviewing these people. This is from her and I want to give her credit for it. But I do want to share her story that she told. It also made me think a little bit of last week's episode. This is like legit. This story has so many different official documentations. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This happened. Okay. So, Riley, this story starts with flies. Okay. In November 2011, Latoya Amon's family moved into a rental house on Carolina Street in Gary, Indiana, a quiet lane lined with small one-story homes. Big black flies suddenly swarmed their screened-in porch in December, despite the winter chill. This is not normal, Amon's mother Rosa Campbell remembers thinking. We killed them, and killed them, and killed them, but they kept coming back. There were other strange happenings too. After midnight, Campbell and Amon's both said they occasionally heard the steady clump of footsteps climbing the basement stairs and the creak of the door opening between the basement and
1: kitchen no one was there i have to say to the flies thing totally the same mo in the amityville manifestation yes. right the flies yes. were one of the first uh, problems that they had and there's a reason for that oh, i'm scared mm-hmm. oh yeah this this is this is a creepy story thank god i have miniature chocolate
0: i have a coke i'm drinking coke not cocaine So even after they locked the door, the noise continued. Campbell, again, Campbell is Latoya Eamon's mom. Campbell said she awoke one night and saw a shadowy figure of a man pacing her living room. She leaped out of bed to investigate and found large, wet boot prints. Can I just say that if this shit was happening to me, I'd be out the fucking door. I'd be living in my car right Uh, i'm not staying in this house anyway and anyway it's it's a sad story in that regard on march 10th 2012 campbell said the family's unease turned to pure fear it was about 2 a.m amons who was in campbell's bedroom startled everyone by screaming mama mama campbell said she ran into her bedroom where her then 12 year old granddaughter and a friend were staying Amons and Campbell said the 12-year-old was levitating above the bed unconscious. According to, the, to their accounts of events, Amons and several others surrounded the girl praying. Eventually, Campbell said, her granddaughter descended onto the bed. The girl woke up with no memory of what happened. They called local churches, but most refused to listen. Eventually, after listening to Campbell and Amons talk about the house and visiting it, Officials at one church told them that uh, the Carolina street house had spirits in it. They recommended the family clean the home with bleach and ammonia, then use oil to draw crosses on every door
1: and window. I've never, ever, in all of my years of reading occult things, ever heard of anyone saying clean the house with bleach and ammonia. I don't
0: get that part. The oils and stuff, I get that too. Yeah, but... but this is
1: what they were told. Maybe they just had a dirty house and they threw that in.
0: It could very well be. Mm-hmm. At the church's suggestion, Amon said she poured olive oil on her three children's hands and feet, then smeared oil in the shape of crosses on their foreheads. Campbell and Amon also reached out to two clairvoyants who came and visited the home and said the family was besieged by more than 200 demons
1: now okay that
0: what did they sit and count apparently 200 they said over to more than 200 uh, like a, a, an army of demons okay we'll just leave that everything you're saying is exactly what any sane logical person would say how do they know
1: did they actually did the kid actually levitate the, for the psychic to count demons Oh, there's Bob, number one. Mm-hmm. There's Steve, number two. Alice. Okay. Two of the worst demons, by Looking those. headless, number three. Bob and Steve. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm Bob.
0: Anyway. I'm Steve. We're here to haunt you.
1: And I'm Headless Alice.
0: I don't know why they're from the southern United States, but Bob and Steve are a scourge to humanity. So they were told by these two clairvoyants that the best thing that they could do was to move. but Unfortunately... For that family, moving wasn't an option. They were incredibly cash-strapped, and they were stuck in that house, for the time being at least. So instead, Amon's took one of the clairvoyants' advice and made an altar in the basement. Amon's covered an end table with a white sheet, then placed a white candle and a statue of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus on it. And she opened a Bible to Psalm... Is it Psalm or Palm? Psalm. Psalm. Psalm 91. I learned something new in every episode. Also, on a clairvoyance advice, they burned sage and sulfur throughout the house, starting upstairs and working their way down. Now that makes sense. Yeah. And that
1: reminds me a little bit of what we would get in church. Yeah, right? no bleach and ammonia. She went for the sage and for the, the sulfur, which is just going to smell so right on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the person she was with read Psalm 91 aloud as they moved through the house. And this is uh, a bit of what that psalm says. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Amon said nothing happened after
1: that for three days. Then things got worse. I have to note again in that psalm, the plague that destroys at midday. It's noon and you got the plague.
0: Well, isn't there the whole thing, too, of, like, um, the uh, eclipse occurring, day becomes night, and, uh, you know, and then uh, Cinderella's carriage turns back into a pumpkin.
1: So, the family said, Riley. They said Riley? Ha ha. they, They called you by name. I'm Shecky. This is 1952. We're doing a comedy routine. They said Riley? What?
0: The family said demons possessed Amon's and her children. Then, and at that time they were ages 7, 9, and 12. You'll also notice I'm not mentioning their names because they have been protected. The mom is not revealing the names of her children. Okay. And speaking with this reporter. So apparently um, they became possessed. The kids' eyes bulged, evil smiles crossed their faces, and their voices deepened every time it happened. Campbell said the demons didn't affect her. Because she was born with protection from evil. She said she and others like her have a guardian who protects them. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Like, so how do you get that protection? You have to have a special blessing when
1: you're a kid? Oh my God, uh, that's another rabbit hole of research. A lot of times in a lot of cultures, in a lot of cultures and religions, there would be, yeah, you would have uh, protections placed on your kid at birth to protect them. Because these people are Catholic, by the way. Yeah. Well, okay. Who knows, right? So, Eamon said she felt weak, lightheaded,
0: and warm when she was possessed. Her body shook, and she said she felt out of control. The youngest boy, then seven, sat in a closet, talking to a boy that no one else could see. And the other boy was describing what it felt like to be killed. Mm, Okay. Nice. Campbell said the seven-year-old once flew out of the bathroom as if he'd been thrown, and a headboard headboard once smacked into Eamon's daughter, causing a wound that needed stitches. The 12-year-old will later tell mental health professionals that she sometimes felt as if she were being choked and held down so she couldn't speak or move. She said she heard a voice say she'd never see her family again and wouldn't live another 20 minutes. Wow. Some nights were so bad, the family slept at a hotel. And finally, in desperation, they went to their family physician... Eamon said she told him what they were going through, hoping he might understand. Their doctor, Dr. Jeffrey Onyukui, or Anyuku. I, I don't I, I don't know how to pronounce that, so I hope I didn't butcher it too badly, is quoted as saying it was bizarre.
1: This is a quote of his. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just funny. I expected more. It was quoted as saying, hey, that's bizarre. Well, this is more. Okay. This is more. Okay.
0: Yeah. Twenty years. And I've never heard anything like that in my life, he said. I was scared myself when I walked into the room. In his medical notes about the visit, Onyuku wrote, Delusions of ghost in home and hallucinations. He also wrote, History of ghost at home and delusional. So he was automatically going to the mental illness card. He, he, he was not assuming that what they were telling him was actually happening. That being said, Completely terrifying, and and as someone who works uh, with people with mental illness, I've seen some you know someone in uh, a psychotic state, and even if what they're saying uh, isn't taken at face value, it's really scary. What Amons and Campbell say happened next was also detailed in a Department of Child Services report of a family case manager. Chaos erupted. Campbell said Eamon's son cursed Dr. Onyuku in demonic voices, raging at him. Medical staff said the youngest boy was lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him, according to that report. This is an official report. There were witnesses to this. Someone from the doctor's office called 911. Onyuku said seven or eight police officers and multiple ambulances showed up. Eamon said... Hospital personnel laughed at her desire to anoint her sons in olive oil. I couldn't talk to them, she said, so I talked to God. The boy later woke up in the hospital, and he screamed and thrashed. It took five grown men to hold him down. Meanwhile, someone called DCS and asked the agency to investigate Amon's for possible child abuse or neglect. The caller, who is not named in the DCS report, speculated that Amon's might have a mental illness. The person believed the children were performing for Amon's and she was encouraging their behavior. Oh, wow. Okay, Right. And that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. A A DCS family case manager, Valerie Washington, was asked to handle the initial investigation. She gave the following account to police and in her intake officer's report. Hospital personnel examined Amens and her children and found them to be healthy and free of marks or bruises. A hospital psychiatrist evaluated Amens and determined she was of sound mind. While she spoke with Amens, the seven-year-old boy started growling with his teeth showing. His eyes rolled back into his head. The boy locked his hands around his older brother's throat and refused to let go until adults pried his hands open. The seven-year-old stared into his brother's eyes and began to growl again. It's time to die, the boy said in a deep, unnatural voice. I will kill you! While the youngest boy spoke, the older brother started headbutting Campbell in the stomach. What happened next would rattle the witnesses, and to some it would offer not only evidence but hard proof of paranormal activity. Again, this is according to an, an official dcs government report okay okay the nine-year-old had a weird grin and walked backward up a wall to the ceiling oh he then flipped over campbell landing on his feet never letting go of his grandmother's hand he walked up the wall flipped over her and stood there one witness told the star there's no way he could have done that He walked. He didn't parkour and he walked on the ceiling. I'm totally picturing it in my head. I love it. And I I got chills reading this and I'm getting them again because this isn't a family telling you this. This is stuff that we've seen Mm -hmm. and trust us. These are strangers Mm -hmm. and several of them saying they saw this. Right. I love it. Later, police asked Washington whether the boy had run up the wall as though performing an acrobatic trick. No. No. Washington told them. She said the boy glided backward on the floor, wall, and ceiling, and that's in the police report. She told police she was scared when it happened and ran out of the room. And I would too. Yeah, me too. I'd be like, gotta go. Oh my god. Oh my god. The next day, DCS told them the children wouldn't be going home. DC DCS took the emergency step of taking custody of the children without a court order. The Reverend Michael Maginot was called from a hospital chaplain the next day. Maginot had been the priest at St. Stephen Martyr Parish in Maryville for more than 10 years, but had never received a request like this one. The chaplain asked him to perform an exorcism on Eamon's nine-year-old son. Oh boy. Maginot agreed to interview the family after Sunday Mass a few days later. The first step, Maginot said, was ruling out natural causes for what Amons and her family said they were experiencing. He visited Amons and Campbell in their Carolina Street home on April 22, 2012. For two hours, Amons and Campbell detailed the phenomena for him. Then, Campbell interrupted the interview to point out a flickering bathroom light. The flickering stopped each time Maginot walked over to investigate, which he attributed to a demonic presence. The interview was interrupted again when Campbell pointed out Venetian blinds in the kitchen swinging even though there was no air current. Maginot said he also saw wet footprints throughout the living room. Amon's complained about having a headache. Maginot said she convulsed when he placed a crucifix against her head. After a four-hour interview, Maginot said he was convinced the family was being tormented by demons. He said he also believed there were ghosts in the house. Oh my god. Right? So it's demons and ghosts like that little boy. Ugh. Maginot blessed the house before he left, praying, reading from the Bible, and sprinkling holy water in each room. He told Amons and Campbell to leave because it wasn't safe, and they temporarily moved in with a relative. But less than a week later, the two women were back on Carolina Street to let Washington the DCS family case manager, checked the condition of the home. Washington asked a Lake County police officer to come with her, a Captain Charles Austin. Ammons refused to go inside, but Campbell agreed to accompany the group. So the main floor has three bedrooms, a living room, one bathroom, hardwood floors, and a small open style kitchen. A door in the kitchen leads to a basement with concrete floors. Mm-hmm. Directly under the stairs was a dirt floor. The concrete around it was jagged as though it had been broken. Oh! The makeshift altar Amon had created was still in place, along with rings of salt she had poured against the basement walls to dissuade the demons, according to that same police report. Campbell told officers that demons seemed to emanate from beneath the stairs. The police captain didn't believe in demons, but... He changed his mind after visiting the Carolina Street house. During the inter- yeah, during the interview with Campbell, one of the officers' audio recorders malfunctioned. According to Austin and Hammond police records, the p- the power light flashed to indicate the batteries were dying, even though the officer had placed fresh batteries in the recorder earlier that day. Another officer recorded audio, and when he played it back later, heard an unknown voice whisper "Hey," according to. The police.
1: Oh my God! I can't stop picturing the hole under the stairs. It's that hole under the stairs. That was actually my nickname in high school. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine why. (laughs) Oh, oh! That officer. No, no, wait, wait. Shut up. Wait. That hole. That hole under the stairs. Like it's the jagged concrete. Like how did it get there? Uh huh. No one would pour a foundation and leave a big hole.
0: And it gets worse or better however you want to look at it jesus continue that officer also took photos of the house in one photo of the basement stairs there was a cloudy white image in the upper right hand corner and look about that stuff i find that usually bullshit Mm -hmm. like i'm sorry it's easily doctored but anyway they found they have this image Uh, when an officer enlarged the photo that cloud appeared to resemble a face the enlargement also revealed a second green image that police say looked like a female. The mental health professionals evaluating Amen's and her children remained skeptical. In April 2012, DCS petitioned Lake Juvenile Court for temporary wardship of the three children and the request was granted. DCS found that Ammons neglected her children's education by not having them in school regularly and apparently that happened in 2009 as well so there's actually a history of some neglect here uh, from latoya amons amons told washington there were times she could not send the kids to school because the spirits would make them sick or they would be up all night without sleep but i do need to mention that in 2009 as far as i know they weren't being possessed Mm -hmm. just throwing
1: that out there i'm just curious at this point why no one's performing an exorcism just relax your body, Riley. Let the story sweep you away. See, that's okay? that's why they call me the
0: hole under the stairs. Yeah, you're getting me to swear. My mom has been so proud of me in this for not swearing. Because I have the potty mouth. You are the potty mouth. You're the the angry Jack and Port, dirty sailor. Jack and Port. What's that mean? Yeah. Jack is a sailor, and Jack and Port is a is like referring to sailors in in port in town. Is that an old-timey? Yeah. That's from my modernity uh, history course I took in third-year university. Are you serious? You learned that in university? It was actually one of the best university courses I ever took. Uh, Dr. Chad Gaffield was the professor. I'm sure he's listening. Uh, And he basically said you are going to do no uh, secondary source research in this course. Everything is going to be primary sources. Mm. You're going to go to the archives. You're going to create your own opinions and ideas based on primary sources so i in this in that case i read a book that was written in 1860 in the 1860s uh called jack in port so instead of doing a research project on the what the book was saying i was trying to figure out what i could about the author and the time that it was written in based on the contents
1: of that book okay and, and their view of things so using that book you were giving it context you were looking for the context yeah
0: mm-hmm. ah. that's right clinical psychologist stacy wright who evaluated amon's youngest son Said the boy tended to act possessed when he was challenged, redirected, or asked questions he didn't want to answer. And I can tell you that's a common thing with a lot of. Children. I was just gonna say, yeah. <laughs> or if you're my son, uh, you you just don't say anything. Mm. It drives me up the wall. It's really. Oh
1: what? So he if he doesn't want to if he doesn't want to do something, he just won't say anything.
0: Yeah. Or if you're you're commenting on something like a behavior you don't like, you'll I'll go on all this long rant. And I just don't hear anything. So finally, I'll have to like, what? So like, what are you thinking? Well, uh, nothing. Like, ah, darn it! And it's only going to get worse as he comes. That's hilarious. Yeah. In her evaluation, Wright wrote that he seemed coherent and logical, except when he talked about demons. It was then that the eight-year-old stories became bizarre, fragmented, and illogical. Wright said, "His stories changed each time he told them." Wright believed. The eight-year-old did not suffer from a true psychotic disorder. Amons also was examined several times by psychologists who said she was guarded, but did not seem to be experiencing symptoms of psychosis or thought disorder. One psychologist recommended Amons be assessed to determine whether her religious, religiosity, that's a tough word, eh? Yeah. Religiosity may be masking underlying delusional ideations or perceptual disturbances. Okay, you know that's a there's a great documentary and i just this is just popping in my head now about that. about how you know if you if you believe hard enough have these fervent beliefs, you can will yourself into seeing or you know thinking you see these things even if you don't have a pre-existing mental illness. Well, no,
1: and also if you're brought up in a in a culture or, or situation where um, you are taught to look for these things, you will find them. That's right. Amons
0: and all three kids continued to insist they were possessed by demons. DCS set goals for the family. One of them stipulated that the children not discuss demons and being possessed and take responsibility for their actions. They also needed to participate in therapy to address past behavior. While Ammons worked on meeting those objectives, police and DCS officials continued to investigate strange happenings in the house. So they came back and visited, and this time the, the group was a bit larger. Campbell, Ammons, Captain Austin, and the two other police officers from the initial visit went back to the Carolina Street home on the afternoon of May 10th, 2012. They were joined by Maginot, two Lake County officers with a police dog, and DCS family manager Samantha Illick. Illick, who was there in official capacity because Washington didn't want to go back into the house, I don't blame her at all, Illick touched some strange liquid she saw dripping in the basement and said it felt slippery yet sticky between her fingers.
1: No, Riley, it wasn't that. You totally knew what I was thinking. I saw your face. Well, there's a teenage boy in the house. Come on. Uh, No, no. The 12-year-old's a girl. Oh, am I ever stupid? I just went, went to the top of Stupid Mountain and built a shack.
0: Maginot told police he wanted to check the dirt under the stairs oh that dirt for a pentagram or personal objects that might have been cursed he said a pentagram might indicate a demonic
1: presence and possible portal to hell according to a lake county police report can i just ask you a quick question the group that went the family's not part of the group uh amons and campbell are there so mom and grandma are, see are they there. shouldn't have brought them uh,
0: okay anyway continue why do you have to be so hard on, on everybody?
1: I'm not. I just wish it was. I just think it would have been more objective without the people that was actually okay, happening fair to. Fair enough. And, and
0: it's, you keep touching on interesting things because it actually is something that it was thought of. So they're checking under the stairs for that, um, that pentagram. Or if someone had died in the house and was possibly buried under the stairs, it might explain the paranormal activity. One of the officers dug a four-foot by three-foot hole beneath the stairs, unearthing oh. a pink press-on fingernail, a white pair of panties. <laughs> That's a quote. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a political shirt pin, a lid for a small cooking pan, socks with the bottoms cut off below the ankles, candy wrappers, and a heavy metal object that looked like a weight for a drapery cord, police records state. how. Oh freaking random is that and a bit creepy i'm sorry here's one question i had why didn't they dig further like maybe they hit something hard and couldn't go any further but if i'm finding underwear well
1: panties are press on nail cut off socks i'm saying i'm thinking dead hooker and the, the the political pin dead activist
0: hooker finding nothing else the officer replaced the dirt and raked over it Maginot blessed some salt and spread it under the stairs and throughout the basement. Illick said she was later standing in the living room with the rest of the group when her left pinky started to tingle and whiten. She complained it felt broken. Less than 10 minutes later, Illick said she felt as if she was having a panic attack. She couldn't breathe, so she walked outside to wait for the group. Austin said he left the house at nightfall. This is Captain Austin. He, by the way, is at was a seasoned police officer um, who apparently had been shot at and shot others and had gone and like seen many I'm, dead bodies and things like that. I'm picturing him, his name. Cap- I'm captain Austin. He sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. He's like that grizzly and he's like, you know, commanding officer here. This is not uh, this is, this is a well-respected individual. He's a big in fucker. Course. He fishes. Yeah, probably. Eh? That was so Canadian. Yeah, probably. Eh? Okay. So this big guy,
1: captain Austin,
0: Yeah, said he was not going to stay in the house past dark. That's how freaked out he is. And again, remember, this guy does not believe in demons. Mm -hmm. Or didn't believe in demons. The other officers continued to walk through the home. On the main floor, they noticed an oil-like substance dripping from Venetian blinds in a bedroom, but couldn't figure out where it was coming from. To make sure Campbell or Amons hadn't poured oil on the blinds, two of the officers used paper towels to clean it off. The officers sealed the room for 25 minutes and stood nearby so no one could walk in. When they went back in, the oil had reappeared, according to the police records. Oh, I like that. Maginot told police the liquid was a manifestation of a paranormal or demonic presence. He wrote a report detailing his findings and asked his superior, Bishop Dale Melchick's permission to perform an exorcism on Amons. Again, Maginot is a Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. Look, the Catholic Church is not uh, perfect, but one of the things it there's bureaucracy, and they they do not just willy
1: nilly grant exorcisms. They do not. It's very, very, very rarely ever granted, right. especially you now. You talked
0: about this, and you talked about this in one of our first episodes with the Brazilian faith healer. Yes, uh, where they didn't even really want to believe him. No,
1: then and exorcisms are very rarely, if ever, granted. That's right. And That's if right. they are, they really keep it quiet. They do. So Maginot said Melchik uh, had
0: never authorized an exorcism in 21 years uh, as bishop of the diocese of Gary. He said he did an intense blessing on the Carolina Street home to expel bad spirits. So that's like a lesser form of exorcism. Doesn't require official the, the church doesn't have to officially grant permission for for that intense blessing, okay? The same, that same day, Maginot performed a, uh, continued to perform minor exorcisms on Amons, and the ritual consisted of prayers, statements, and appeals to cast out the demons. Two police officers and Illock attended the ritual. Illock said she left believing that something was going on, although she wouldn't go as far as saying it was demonic. She said she got chills during the nearly two-hour rite. We felt like someone was in the room with you, someone breathing down your neck, she said. After the minor minor ritual, Maginot told Amens to look up the names of demons that were tormenting her. Each demon has a name and personality, Maginot said, as we discussed at the beginning of this program. Mm -hmm. He planned to use those names to fight the demons during the exorcisms. She eventually found names that fit. One such name was Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. Okay. And for those of you who don't know Beelzebub, although a very famous name, right? Absolutely. Consider sort of the second in command. Yes. There's Lucifer and then there's Beelzebub. Sometimes even some people suggest they're actually the same person, mm-hmm. possibly. Anyway, not someone you want to mess with at all. She said she. they also found names of other demons that torture and hurt kids. Amon said other high-ranking demons were also assigned to her, including lieutenants and sergeants. And if you go into that lesser key of Solomon that I mentioned earlier, there is a whole ranking to these demons. And that's probably where she got that information from, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. After the minor rite, Maginot said Bishop Melchick gave him permission to actually do the full-blown exorcism. The ritual is the same as the minor exorcism, but more powerful because it is the backing of the Catholic Church, Maginot says. Maginot ultimately performed three major exorcisms on Amon's, two in English and the last one in Latin, in June of 2012 at his Mariville church. During each, Maginot said he praised God and condemned the devil. He pressed a crucifix against Amon's head as he spoke, and he said, I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the enemy, every specter from hell, and all your fell companions, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maginot said his voice continued to get louder and more forceful until the demon weakened. He said he could tell how strong the demon was by how much Amon's convulsed. Two police officers who had kept in touch with Maginot since the home investigation stood nearby in case Amon's needed to be restrained. Amon said she prayed with Maginot until it became too painful. She said she felt as if something inside her was trying to hold on and inflict pain at the same time. She said it was different from a natural pain but felt as intense as giving birth. I was hurting all over from the inside out, she remembered. Eventually, Maginot said Amon's fell asleep as that was the demon's way of lessening the ritual's effect. In between the second and third exorcisms, Maginot said he went on a retreat. A woman, who assisted Maginot with some of the exorcisms, helped set up a backup plan in case Amons had problems while Maginot was gone. He had Amons write the names of the demons on a piece of paper and placed it in a sealed envelope. If Amons had problems, the woman was instructed to burn the envelope. By this time, Amen's and her mother had moved to Indianapolis, but they drove back for the exorcisms and court hearings as their children were still in DCS care. Maginot said he blessed the family's new home to prevent more problems, but Amens called while Maginot was on his retreat, complaining of bad dreams. So that woman burned the envelope, and I say that woman—I don't have a name. She say, i assuming because she just didn't want her name in this story. She saved the ashes to burn later in a church bonfire. After that, Amon said her nightmares ended. In the final exorcism, at the end of June 2012, Maginot said he prayed and berated the demons in Latin rather than English. Maginot said Amon's convulsed while he condemned the demons but did not convulse during prayer. When she fell asleep, he said words of thanksgiving. It would be the last time Amon saw Maginot. She and her mother drove back to Indianapolis, where they say they now live without fear. Amon's old home on Carolina Street became an object of local curiosity, so much so that the owner and landlord Charles Reed called the Gary Police Department to ask officers to to stop driving by the house because it was scaring his new tenant. He said there were no problems in the home before or after Amon's and her family lived there. Amon's regained custody of her three children in November 2012. DCS continued to check in on the children to make sure they were going to school until their case was eventually closed. The children said they felt safe after they left the house on Carolina Street. The three left their demonic voices and complaints behind them. No demonic presences or spirits in the home, DCS family case manager Christina Oljek wrote in team meetings noted January 10th, 2013. And that family continues to live now a normal life. Wow, And the daughter's probably an adult now. Yeah, she would. That's right. She would be. There was a documentary made about this that you can find somewhere. It wasn't free, at least when I looked for it. And this has been documented in a lot of those ghost shows and stuff like that. This is by, you know, in in many circles, this is an extremely well-known
1: story. Mm -hmm. Not to me or to you, I guess. But what do you think? Oh, so many things to think. Ah, I don't know. Um my favorite thing about that was to find the hole under the stairs because then that actually means there's something physically wrong with the house like that doesn't make sense why why is that there why didn't the landlord fix that why is it there who put that there it just i'm fascinated by that and the fact that four feet down was a false fingernail and underwear
0: and cut off socks other things like it almost makes you wonder if they shouldn't have just broken up the whole
1: floor i know right oh right I only said dead hooker too because we all know that sex trade workers are the favorite fodder for serial killers um they've been because no one yeah they're just not missed yeah and the police don't take it seriously which is appalling Mm -hmm. to me i'm wondering about that mother i'm wondering about her bringing her kids into her way of thinking does that make sense Mm -hmm. and maybe Mm influencing her children and children love i mean children are dramatic little beings right i mean i'm just wondering Mm -hmm. if somehow the mother so how do you explain the walking
0: on the well i don't i can't because all the other stuff we could say even the throwing uh the body the boy seemingly being thrown Mm -hmm. you know at one point well you you could probably do that Mm -hmm. i've seen videos of of people who are apparently possessed being thrown Mm
1: -hmm. but you could make the argument easily that they're throwing themselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, most of the manifestations of possession can be explained. You could just do it yourself, but there's so many things that I've come across in possession things that cannot be explained like Latin, right? Yeah. And the way the reason that demons speak in Latin and Latin is used is because it's the language of the church. Latin yeah. was, high Latin was the language of the church and demons use it because it's a sign of disrespect for Christ, for yes. God and Christ. So
0: what the critics are saying is that not only the mom and the grandmother, that they wanted to believe and that, you know, we can easily see it, but even the other people around yeah. them, maybe there's a part of them that wanted to believe too. I don't know how religious that community is, but certainly... And superstitious. Um, possible, and superstitious, right. And super, like the, like the, the police captain said that he didn't believe in demons, but he was religious. Right. He was a Catholic. And... The priest has come under fire, right? Because people have said, "Well, he shouldn't have even been talking about it." The fact that he's so open about it and is talking about it so freely, maybe he was looking for his 15 minutes,
1: right? Yeah, Dan, I I love this story. Um again, like I need to know a few more things I think. No, I don't. No, I don't.
0: Well, what ask cuz I left a lot of stuff out.
1: I just don't know about the psychology of the mother and the grandmother, and that's a big yeah. one for me. That's a yeah. huge issue for me.
0: The fact that uh, DCS was involved yeah.
1: and the kid prior,
0: yeah, is suspicious for sure. That being said, I really don't want to believe this is true, but it—it's very odd. Very, very And minded.
1: a lot like I said, a lot of those exorcism things, and I've researched a lot of them. I mean there's always a little element there that like, how is that possible? That kid didn't mm-hmm. learn Latin, that kid can't write Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. How did the kid glide? And again, that was the DCS in yeah. this. Glided on the floor, glided up the wall, and glided on the ceiling. I don't know. Let's say maybe. Can I ask you a question that's not related to this at all? It's yes, behind go ahead. you in the bookcase. I have such yeah. good eyes. Is that mouse and mouse too? Yeah. I recognized it. The red spine. I have yeah. that too. Great. Great yeah, book. Well, a, Graph- no? Yeah, it won a Nobel Prize, didn't it? I think Pulitz- so. Which is it? Pulitzer? A Pulitzer? Pulitzer? Okay. Yes. Wanted- well, there is a Nobel Prize of Literature. But anyway, it's mouse. I thought it was. I was like, I yeah. have that. Yeah, I've got some nice books. You sound like a simpleton. I've got some nice books. Lady Nancy gave me a book the other day. It's called The Thorn Birds. Lady Nancy <laughs> and The Thorn Birds. I like books that smell like jam. My favorite takeaway from this whole podcast, because I find I, I don't have kids, never will, never wanted to, but I live vicariously through my friends. And my favorite thing of this whole podcast is the fact that Connor just sits and stares at you when you give him shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah great defensive technique he just looks at you and that way he also doesn't bury himself right he doesn't say anything that he can get in trouble for and i have to say this he's a great kid yeah
1: but that's a great technique because there's nothing in the world more infuriating when you don't get a response yeah it's his he's very stoic oh is he both his grandfathers have elements
0: of that i don't but uh he he's a he's going to grow up to be a very stoic
1: man oh is that a good thing I, I think stoicism, so, though I, my father was stoic, and we had it had a, it was hard to have a really close relationship with him because I never felt I knew him,
0: right? And that's the that's our job, I think, as parents to to help him find that balance right. and to encourage him to be able to express himself and and share his feelings and and uh, that kind of stuff. But on the at the same time, very even keeled mm-hmm. and calm, and uh, you know, I think he's going to grow up to be a pretty solid human being. What more can one ask for? That's all you can ask, that he's that and kind. Wow. Can I just say this really fast? In the hospital, when he was born, I would carry him around, because he stayed in the hospital, I think, for three days back in those days. Uh, I think it's like one day and they get you out now. And I, car- I would carry him around and give Marion an opportunity to sleep. And I would pray to God. And what I would say to God was, just let my son be a kind, good person. I don't care if he's smart, I don't care if he's athletic, I don't care if he's good looking. I just want him to be a good person. And I think my
1: prayer has been answered. So there you go. And folks out there, if you too want your prayers to be answered, all you have to do is pick up the hotline now and dial 1-800-555-2222. Tell one of our kind operators what your need is and we will be more than happy to put you into our prayer system Within 24 hours, your prayer will be spoken by either Dan or myself, and you will receive this lovely pin in the post. And if you remember last week, Elaine asked us to pray for her. We did, and apparently Jesus restored her uterus. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. I didn't mean, by the way, to make fun of your thing. It was a beautiful, touching moment, but it just... It's just, you led me down that path where it sounded like a testimonial on a television station in Colorado. So, Riley, that was one of our longest shows well it's an hour and 17 minutes before edit so we'll see but that's yeah, okay it's
0: fine I think that's it's fine. fine I hope good listener you enjoyed listening to that story I had a lot of fun preparing it and I hope that you uh, continue to enjoy all the offerings that Riley and I bring to you each
1: and every week if you Can like we ask our visitors yeah. to not forget to avail themselves of the prayer hotline it is a service we are <laughs> proud to offer it is only 99 cents a minute which is a pittance when you think about it that that is two return Pepsi bottles at the Piggly Wiggly. It's a
0: minimum 10-minute call.
1: And we would love to hear from you directly. Please don't forget to submit those prayer cards. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, if Elaine's uterus can be restored, so can your soul. Well, there we go. That's beautiful. I feel like doing. I want to do a whole comedy podcast now where we pretend to be televangelists. Yes. And not just that, but a whole slew yeah. of things. Uh, and all of it, of course, uh,
0: being... Um, what the hell was the jetpack company Jackson's jetpacks?
1: Do you know Jefferson's what jetpack I want to try? And I, I know our listeners want to go. You can turn it off. I'm just still going to talk. Um, I want to try that thing that you put you strap to your back. That's water. Like, have you ever seen the ones where they go? Wrong? Yes, and they could just headbutt it right into the. I know. <laughs> I know. And I think
0: I saw one of the with the, on the water, Ugh. one of those hydraulic yeah. ones, which is not a real jetpack.
1: You know what? Because it's just the the power of the water right that propels them yeah, i go through weird youtube obsessions and there was um about a month where i would watch nothing but fail videos yeah that that was often in the fail video i love watching people fall i i wish that was a career
0: i there's my favorite fail one of my favorite fail video sequences or, or montage story is there's a fisherman who has a show in the united states and it's like all of his caught on camera gaffes. If you type that in, you'll find it, I'm sure, very uh, very fast. And he just seems like such an earnest, kind guy. All right, uh, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, I, gotta, I haven't had dinner yet. Oh, it's late. <laughs> Folks, if you enjoy what you're uh, listening to, then please continue to listen and uh, rate us on your podcast medium of choice. Is that, are they mediums? the platform the, of choice. whatever
1: delivery mechanism you use for your podcast
0: yeah and we say this every week and we'll continue to say it because we enjoy the feedback if uh you would like to say hi if you have a show idea please feel free to reach out to us through facebook or twitter instagram we're on all three of those uh, social media platforms uh, say hi let us know that you're out there we will we'd love to have that
1: opportunity to communicate with we you. at the weird love you and remember It's always a bad time somewhere. Tell one of our kind operators what your need is and we will be more than happy to put you into our prayer system. Within 24 hours your prayer will be spoken by either Dan or myself and you will receive this lovely pin in the post. And if you remember last week, Elaine asked us to pray for her. We did, and apparently Jesus restored her uterus.